All right, so we'll say, let's begin top of Yud Aleph Amad Aleph. So it says the Gemara, Beso Chakan, Remember again, the Mishnah spoke about the case where if you went ahead and on Erev Yom Tov, you designated the chicks inside inside the dovecote, and then you found them outside of the dovecote, or I should say more appropriately in front of the dovecote, that the doves are usher. So the Gemara says, Lema Masayele, the Rabbi Hanino. Let's say that this idea supports Rabbi Hanino. Where's Rabbi Hanino? Say, Dam Rabbi Hanino, Rov Vikarov, Halach Achar Harov. Because Rabbi Hanino says that when you have two conflicting chazakos, one established by Rov by majority, three lines down, or the other established by Karov, proximity, that Rove wins out. So both sides, because remember again, what the Mishnah is saying over here is that Lamaisev, you designated the doves inside the dovecote, and then you come on Yantav and you find them in front of the dovecote. So apparently when the, when, the, when the Mishnah says that it's also what the Mishnah says is because we assume that the doves in front of the dovecote are not the same ones as the doves that were inside the dovecote. So therefore you see from here that despite the fact that the doves inside the dovecote are closer to the front of the dovecote. Nevertheless, we go after the majority of doves that are not from the dovecote. So you must see from here that when you have a conflict between the realities created between rove and karov, you go after rove. Amr Abayi says, no, 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 not necessarily. Bidaf. What are we dealing with over here? We're dealing with over here a platform. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Bidaf. So we'll say, here's the difference. This daf, this platform that there is in front of this dovecote, so apparently certain dovecotes had a larger platform that was used as a, as a resting place for doves from all over, not just doves from that particular dovecote. Therefore, lemaisa, because of that, it's like a gathering place. Therefore, because of that, it's considered to be Karov for all of the birds, and therefore Lemaisa again. Lemaisa, we go ahead and we call this, it has Rov and Karov. Amra Abaye Abaye, I'm sorry, Rava Amra Rava says, Bishnei Kanin, Zu Lemala Mizuaskinon. Rava, on the other hand, says, We're dealing with two. We're dealing with two different dovecotes, one on top of the other. Velomi boy. So the Gemara says, Velomi boy, Zim Betachtona, Velozim Be'alyona. And the Gemara says, it goes without saying that if you designated the birds in the bottom one and did not designate the birds in the upper one. So, okay, so I'll say, so just keep this in mind. So now I'm going on Erev Yom I'm designating the bottom dovecote. I did not do anything with the upper dovecote. Umatza betachtona, velo matza be'alyona. And what happens? I come on Yom and I find birds in the lower one, which I'll say would seem to be good because those are the birds that I designated, but I didn't find any birds in the upper one. The asiram, the halacha is at the bottom ones are asir. Why? The aminan hanach azlula alma, vahanach ishtarvuve ishtarvuv vinochus. Because I'll say the fact that there are no birds in the upper one leads me to, to fear that what happened. Perhaps again, the ones in the bottom one left, and the mice of the birds that are there now are the birds that came down from the upper dovecote. But rather, even if what? Even if you went ahead and you designated the birds in the upper dovecote and you did not designate the birds in the lower dovecote, and I come on Yontav and I find birds in the upper one, but do not find birds in the lower one, that's what? The Trebo said the ones in the upper one are also Asirwai. 
Because you will say, what am I concerned about? I'm concerned that maybe the ones in the upper one fled as well. And then what happened? The ones in the lower one, literally it means climbed up to the upper dove. Because also what the Gemara seems to be saying over here is that any time that you have some kind of disruption between the setup that, that, that there was, between the, the status quo that was established in Erev Yom Tov, one is choshesh for not just a change in one particular area, but one is choshesh ultimately again for a change in all of the circumstances. Okay. So what's what the Mishnah said? The Mishnah said, uh, the case of the Mishnah was, if you designated birds inside the dovecote, and then you find them on Yom Tov outside of the dovecote, asurin, they're asur. However, again, but if there are no other doves, there are no other doves, so then the ones that are, so once again, on Erev Yom Tov, you designated doves inside the dovecote, then you went ahead and you find them outside of the dovecote. So the Mishnah says it's Asr, unless, of course, these are the only doves. If they're the only doves, then it's Mutter. So the Gemara says, Hechi Dami, what's the case of only doves? What, what, what does that mean? If you want to say we're talking about doves that have the ability to fly, again, you could very easily say what? That the birds that you designated on Erev Yom Tov are gone, are gone, and these are new ones that have come instead because they have the ability for flight. So the Gemara says, Ela bimidadidin. So I will say, again, rather it must be what? We're talking about midadidin, I will say, literally means hop. But hop in this context means more than just simply hop. Hop in this context means more than just simply hop. Hop really means flight for short distances. Flight for short distances. So the Gemara says, If there's another nest within 50 amos, then then what? So again, apparently a young a young dove will hop or will 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 fly for short bursts for a, another destination within fifty amas. And the Maisa again, so we'll say, so again, if there is another, if there is another dovecote within 50 Amos, so then you'd have to be concerned that what? That even birds that are not yet fully uh, flight ready are still hopping from one dovecote to the other, in which case, again, remember, as, as nice as that sounds, the doves are flying, but uh, again, for your Yom Tov purposes, it throws a wrench in your meal plans, because the mice, again, once they're flying and there's another dovecote within 50 amos, there's the possibility that the doves that you find on Yom Tov are not the doves that you designate on Erev Yom Tov. So the Gemara says, rather, it has to be, I'm sorry, and if there's no other dovecote within 50 amos, meaning that's of the dovecote from which you designated doves on Erev Yom Tov, then Pshita Dimutarin. Then on both sides, again, then as Avi said, it's not Mutter. So the Gemara is trying to figure out what exactly is the case where the Mishnah says that if there are no other doves, then, then even though you designated the doves inside, and now you're finding them outside that they're Mutter. So what's the case? If, if doves take flight, then everything's going to be Asr. If the doves don't take flight, then the mice, again, it depends on where the closest, the next closest dove code is. If it's Within 50 amos, then you have to be choshesh for Medita, that the dove hops over there. If it's further than 50 amos, you don't have to worry about the dove hopping over there. What's, what's the pshat? So, this is actually very, very interesting. Kala medade 
Ein mid, excuse me, I, I should have. I'm a pshita de mutarin to Amar Ukva, Bahama Kamadada in Medadios Mechamishamama. And again, if there is a, and if there is no other dove coat within 50 amos, then it's obvious that even though you designated the doves on the inside, and I find them on the outside, that those are the same doves. Why? Because again, Lamai said there's no other place for doves to have come from. To which the Mercedolum di Kambisuachamishamama. In reality, what's the case of the Mishnah? The case of the Mishnah is where there is another, there is another dove coat, and that other dove coat is within 50 amos. Aye, so if that's the case, so then why is it Rabosa if I designate doves inside the dove coat in Erev Yamtov and I find them outside the dove coat on Yamtov itself that the doves are mutter? They should be usher if there is another dove coat within 50 amos. Oh, Ukigon Digheima Bikaren Zovis. Rabosa, where is the other dove coat? The other dove coat is around the corner. I will say you should have a diagram in Rashi, right? You see that? I always find it interesting. You know, this, out of all the things that the Gemara discusses, this is actually not difficult to conceptualize. There are so many things that we would appreciate the diagram from Rashi. <laughs> but for some reason, I don't know, maybe this is a low-lying fruit. In any event, so what he says over here, around the corner literally means around the corner. I will say, what's the chap? The chap is that the two dove coats are within 50 amos of one another, but what? are not visible, are not visible one from the other. So what does that matter? So this is amazing. Kamash Malan, kol hecha de madada, vahadr chazi lekaneha, midada, ve'ilo lo midada. So it's actually a very profound yisod, that when does the young dove go ahead and fly to another dove coat? He'll only go to another dove coat, even to the 50 amos, as long as what? He can look back, and see his dove card. It's a very profound Gemara. He'll only go ahead, he'll only, he'll only go somewhere if he can look back and see home. If he can't look back and see home, he's not going to go. So the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that even though what? Even though you have over here another dove coat within 50 amos, which technically speaking is the proximity in which, again, one dove could, a young dove who's not flight ready, could go from one dove coat to the other dove coat, since it's around the corner, so there's no visibility, therefore the Maisa assume the doves do not travel back and forth, therefore halacha the Maisa, on Erev Yom Tov, you designate the doves inside the dove coat, and on Yom Tov, you come and the doves are outside of the dove coat, those doves are still permitted, because we assume that those are the same ones that you appointed, not appointed, that you designated on Erev Yom Tov. Okay. So, I'm sorry? No, 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 these are your doves. But then So there, there must have been, uh, there must have been, I guess, a certain understanding that what's in your dove coat is is your. I, I, I think, I think. Says the Mishnah, Beishami Omrim. We'll say again another interesting case. A notlin as haoli lekatsei valaves habaser. So we'll say oli literally is, or eli is literally a a um, a pestle. So we'll say Rashi points out over here. Rashi points out over here, Ali, or Eli, I should say, Melachto leiser, Lichtosh b'machteshes mishum hachi asri la beishamai. So I will say, but this is not just like a simple little mortar and pestle. This is a larger pestle that was used to grind wheat. So this essentially was a slab. This was a large, a large stone, a large stone slab that was used to crush wheat. So the Gemara says, I want to use this slab on Yomtev because I want to cut meat on it. So obviously I can't grind wheat on Yomtev, but I would like to go ahead and, you know, I can't grind wheat on Yomtev, even though, again, token grinding could actually be done for Ochel Nafesh, but large-scale token, like the grinding of wheat, cannot be done on Yom Tov. So the Mishnah says over here, so Beishamai says, you cannot go ahead and take 
the Ali to go ahead and cut meat on it. Ubeisila matirin, but Beisila permits it. Basil permits it next. Beishame Omrim a nosnin esa orlif neadar son. We saw this about saying yesterday's daf. So Basil says, you may not go ahead and take a hide of meat and literally put it in front of people to be trampled. Now I will say you saw this yesterday that Halochalamaisa, part of the tanning of a hide is that you wanted people to walk all over it. So so Beishamai says that you may not go ahead and do that on Yomtov, because that's equivalent to tanning a hide, and the Maisa, that's also, furthermore, Beishamai says, you may not even lift up the hide, unless, of course, what? Unless, of course, there is at least a kezais of meat on the hide. Otherwise, according to Beishamai, the hide itself is considered to be mukta. Or Beisilo matirin, Beisilo permits, so Beisilo seemingly permits both of these things. A, putting the hide down in a place where it's going to get trampled, that's number one, and B, lifting it up even if it doesn't have a kizayis of meat on it. So says the Gemara. So we'll say, let's analyze these cases. V'shavin, shim kasav alav basar sha'asla tatlo. Basil both agree. Now, Basham Basil disagree in terms of the use of the Ali on, on Yom Tov. Beishamai says it's Asr, and apparently what Beishamai is really saying is because Lamaisa, it's Moksa. That's what Beisham seems to be saying. It's Moksa. Beisham is saying that you're permitted to go ahead and use it for permissible use, like cutting meat on it. But now the Gemara says both agree that if you did use it, that you can't move it after its use. Meaning that even Beis Hillel's license to use the object is only what? To move it for the sake of a tzorech yomtiv. But Lamaisa, at the end of the day, once you've used it, you've used up that license already. You may not go ahead and move it back to its original to its original location. Rashi says, first, first white line in Rashi, because once you've cut the meat, the yomtiv purpose has been served. Once the yomtiv purpose has been served, that's it. So the Gemara says, Amra Machlokes ba'ali. Babai says the machlokes is only when it comes to this pestle, this large pestle. Avabetavra garmi divre hakol motor. But when it comes to a butcher's cutting board, everyone agrees that it's motor. And I'll say, what does that mean that it's motor? That lemaisa, that you can go ahead and move a butcher's cutting board to cut meat on yamtiv. So the Gemara says, that's obvious. Pshita. Of course you can move a butcher's cutting board first. So Ali Tanan. The Mishnah only brings up a discussion regarding, again, the Ali, the pestle, which indicates that what? That the cutting board, of course, is motor. So the Gemara says, what would you have thought? din da'afidu tavra, excuse me. din da'afidu nami. I might have thought that maybe there's an issue even with going ahead and moving the butcher's cutting board. Vaha. The ha, so we'll say, take a look at Rashi. Now, what's the havamina that there would have been a problem with the butcher's cutting board? Look at Rashi, Maudatema. Hua din da'afilu tavra garmi ar asri beishamai dilma basar detaltala mamlich velotavar ve'ishtakach detarech bichdi. So we'll say, it's very interesting. What the Gemara is suggesting over here is that I might have thought that maybe you can't even move the butcher's cutting board. Why? Because I will say, what's the issue? Beishamai would have a concern that after you move it, you may go ahead and change your mind. You may decide that, you know what, I'm not shechting. I'm not shechting. And therefore, what would happen? What happened is you end up engaging in unnecessary exertion. So I might have thought that even the butcher's cutting board should be ushered to go ahead and move. So the Gemara says, 
And the only reason why the Mishnah mentioned the case of the pestle was to tell you the strength of Basil's position that they even permit the moving of the pestle. That Basil even permits you to move what we call in the laws of Mukta a Klishamalachtalisr. means a utensil that has a primarily prohibited use, but that has a secondary permitted use. So, for example, like this pestle, the primary use is for grinding wheat, which of course is Asr, but the secondary permitted use is what? Is it can be used as a cutting board. Therefore, Kamash Malon, Kamash Malon, that's not the case, Kamash Malon, that, that even, that even Beishamai would agree that you can go ahead and move the butcher's cutting board. Ikedamri, others have a different version of this. Amr Abaye lo nitzracha ela afilo tavragami chadati. So Abaye says, Rabbi say this is a different version. So Abaye says that the truth is, the, the Chiddush is to teach us that you could even go ahead and move a brand new cutting board, a brand new butcher's cutting board. I what's 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 the chiddush ma'udetema mamlich v'lo tavrala. So I might have thought that maybe again, because it's a brand new cutting board, he may have a change of heart and he may decide, you know, I'm not going to use it as a cutting board. I'm going to use it as something else. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and decide to designate it for a different use. Kamash malan that we are not choshesh for this. So I was like, so therefore again, what comes out according to this gemara so far is like this: machlokes v'sham v'silal about whether or not one could use the ali. Beishamai says no. Beishamai says no. And apparently, again, part of Beishamai's logic seems to be, could be an issue of muktzah, could be an issue ultimately, again, of people having a change of heart, that after you do the exertion, a person might not go through with the process of shechita, and therefore it turns out that you've, that you've transported this item for no good reason. Whereas Beishelel says, L'tzorech yamtiv, you're permitted to go ahead and use it, but apparently, again, with the butcher's cutting board, certainly an old one, certainly an old one, even though that might bring with it a chashash of tircha yisira, you might carry and not end up using it, and even a new one, where a person might decide, you know what, I'm not using it for this purpose at all, even Beis Shammai would agree that Lamaisa you can use it. So the Gemara says, Beis Shammai, are you telling me that Beis Shammai is not choshesh, that people may change their mind? I, Vahatanya, we learned, Beishamai Omrim, Ein Molichin, well, this is very interesting, Ein Molichin Tavach Vesakin, Eitzel Behema, you can't transport the butcher and the knife to the animal. Velo Behema, Eitzel Tavach Vesakin, nor may you transport the animal to the butcher and the knife. And I will say, what's the logic behind that? If you look at Rashi, he says, "In molichin tabach v'sakin, im hayurichokin zemiza." If the let's say again, the animal was far away, you can't transport the butcher to the animal or the animal to the butcher. Why? Dilma baser detarich mamlich, because beishama is choshesh. That what Rabbi said. After you make the journey to the animal, what's going to happen? You're going to decide. You know what? I'd rather have milchiks. So Beishamai says that's a problem. Why? Because then it turns out that you've engaged in unnecessary exertion on Yom Tov. So you see from here that Beishamai is choshesh, that people change their mind. Ubeisilo and Beisilo says, no. Molichin ze'eitzalzeh. And Beisilo says, no, you can go ahead and you can take one to the other. So the Gemara goes weiter. Similarly, one may not transport spices and a pestle to a mortar. And Basil says, You can't. So you see two different cases over here where Lemaisa, Beishamai seems to be concerned for one thing, which is that people change their mind. And because people change their mind, Beishamai says, uh, Now, again, I want to be clear. Beishamai allows you to shecht. 
Beisham allows you to grind, but he says what? He says what? It's got to be there. It's got to be there already. The animal has to be there. The spices have to be there. The utensils have to be there. If it requires transportation through large distances, that we're not going to let you do. Why? Because there's a concern that after you exert yourself, you may change your mind. Basil apparently is not choshesh for these things. So the Gemara says, Hochi hashta bishlama behema so we'll say, using that logic, using that logic, we should say the same thing over here. That Beishamai would not would Beishamai would not agree to allow you to transport the butcher's cutting block or going or allow the shochet to travel to the butcher's cutting block. Let's just deal with the case of transporting the block. That we're not Beishamai would not permit you to transport the block. Why? Because maybe once you transport it, you may have a change of heart. So Gemara says, no, 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 it's not comparable. Why? So the Gemara says. When it comes to the case of the animal, I understand the havamina of why Beishamai does not want you going to the animal or transporting the animal to you. Why? Because it's possible. Because when it comes to animals, it's understandable. A person could say, you know what? Instead of shechting this animal over here, this animal is a little bit on the skinny side. Let's leave this one and let's find a fatter animal. So the idea that you could be ready to go ahead and shecht, but at the same time, then the next moment say, you know what? I'd rather shecht a different kind of animal. I hear that. You could have a change of heart. Similarly, when it comes to Rabbi to a cooked dish, remember Rabbi why are you grinding up spices on Yom Tov? You're grinding up spices to spice your food. So I understand why Beishamai is nervous about the change of heart by spices as well. Because a person could say, you know what? I was going to make this dish that requires spices. So Rashi says, what's an example of a dish that requires spices? Meat and onions. Sounds good, right? So I could go ahead and leave aside my meat and onions and instead... I'll make something else. Rashi says, what's an example of a dish that does not require spices? Rashi says, turnips and cabbage. doesn't require spices because who's going to eat it? Right? <laughs> so, so again, so the Gemara says, In the case of the butcher's cutting board, we're not choshesh for a change of heart. Why? Could it be that the butcher is going to have a change of heart and not go ahead and cut up the meat? Remember, you only bring the butcher's cutting cutting board when? After Shechita took place. Once Shechita took place, he's not going to have a change of heart and say, hey, you know what, we shouldn't cut up the meat. Once the animal is slaughtered, it's clear that again the cutting of the meat has to be done. And therefore, even Beishamai would agree that there's no problem transporting the butcher's cutting board because not choshish that someone's going to have a change of heart. Beishamai omrim enos nesar. So, also remember, the next case in the Mishnah was the following. Came down to a. After you shacked in the animal, you have the hide. Part of the part of the process of the hide has to be has to be trampled upon. I will say, remember again, you can't wait too long to go ahead and do something with the hide; otherwise, it stiffens. Once it stiffens, you can't really tan it anymore. So, so, so how do you, how, but yet again, you can't tan a hide on Yom because at the end of the day, again, that is a malacha. So remember, Beis Hillel essentially allows you to just place it down in a place where people are going to be walking. Not for the intention of tanning it, but just whatever. People are just traversing this, just pedestrian traffic. Beis Shammai prohibits this, prohibits this process. So the Mar says, Tana, 
Also, it's interesting is both Hashem and still agree that what can you do? You can go ahead and say, you, you have to salt meat. There's a halacha, there's a halacha that you're not allowed to eat blood. So obviously when you shecht meat, there's a lot of blood absorbed in the meat itself. So you have to salt the meat in order to go ahead and draw the blood out of the meat. The difference is the following. If you are going to be roasting meat, meaning if you're going to be, um, sorry, like a barbecue, right? There's a better word than roasting. Um, uh, yeah, we'll call it roasting. Right? You're going to be cooking meat on a, on a fire. So the halacha is it only needs a very light salting because since, again, the fire itself draws out the blood, you just need a minimal amount of salting. So the Gemara says like this, the shavin both Vishnavis will agree. say, what can you do on top of the hide? You can salt meat for the purpose of roasting it, which again is just a minimal amount of salting. I will say, what's the chiddush of this? Salting a hide is part of the tanning process. So the Gemara says, both Vishnavis will agree that you could salt meat for roasting, which again is a minimal amount of salting on top of the hide. Even though, in, even though, what ends up happening? There's a shtickle tanning that takes place as a result of it. But since, again, that's not your intention, your intention is to simply go ahead and salt the meat for roasting purposes, that you're permitted to go ahead and do this. So the Gemara says, Abai qualifies this and he says, okay, but this is only if you're salting meat for the purpose of roasting it. Not what? Not for the purpose of going ahead and cooking it. So once again, remember, there's a much more significant amount of salting that occurs for cooking it, what Abai, what Abai calls likadera which is non-roasting, then there would be, that already would be too much salting. That would be already obvious that you're doing it for the sake of tanning the hide, and therefore that would be usher. So the Bible says, Pshita, that's obvious. Litzlitanan. Okay, Abai, thank you very much. The Bryce already said that, right? We just said that before, that it only works if you're salting it for the purpose of roasting, not for the purpose of cooking. What's the Chiddush? The Chiddush is, let's say a person says, you know what, I'm going to roast the meat, I, but I like to salt it a lot. So you can say, you, meaning just because you say that you're salting it for the purpose of roasting it, does not what? Give you a license to put as much salt of it as you want. So what Abai is saying is, even if you're salting it for the purpose of roasting it, you can't put as much salt on it as you would for the purpose of cooking it. Tan Rabbanon. So once the Gemara spoke about, spoke about salt, the Gemara brings up another couple of cases. You can't go ahead and salt fats. So we'll say, you remember, fats, chilev, chilev, so you can have a couple of keys of this. If it's chilev of a behemah, so chilev of a behemah is usr. You can't eat it. But what can you do with it? It's mutr it's, you can get benefit from it. So you can feed it to your animals. You can use it for fuel on a fire. You could sell it to a non-Jew. You can do whatever you want with it. If it's chilev of a, of a chaya, remember chilev of a chaya ultimately is permitted for consumption. This is talking about chilev, chilev of, a, of a behemoth. This is chilev you can't eat. So we'll say if you can't eat it, so you, you can't salt it. Now why can't you salt it? Because again, we'll say salting the chilev also is somewhat comparable to the act of tanning. Remember, the only reason you're salting it is because you want to preserve it for use in whatever, either after Yom Tov or sometime later on. So you can't salt it on Yom Tov because it resembles the act of tanning. The other possibility also is that moving chilev will be, could be potentially usher. Why? Because the might say it could be an Indian of muktzah. But let's go with the tanning idea for now. And furthermore, you can't turn the, you can't turn the fats over. 
Can't find the tent. So look at Rashi. Why would you be doing this? In Mochinas Sachalavim, Biyom Tov, Kadish Liasrich of Afil and Ishkata Behim Biyomdav. So I will say, all of, you do want to do all of these things, turn it over to allow for greater airflow. You can't go ahead and salt it. All of this is being done because you don't want the fats to spoil. But because, again, this resembles tanning, you can't do it on Yomtev. Mishum Rabbi Yoshua, in the name of Rabbi Yoshua, they said, Shotchan Beruach Agabi Yisidos. What can you do? You can place the fat down literally. They're both say Yisidos are pegs. So you can go ahead and place the fat down in a way that what? That there's airflow around it. So apparently having constant airflow prevents the fats from spoiling. Amr Masna. that indeed you can put the fats down on top of pegs to allow for airflow. So Mar says, Others say said that does not follow Rabbi Yeshua. So I understand why the why the first opinion has to say that Allah follows Rabbi Yeshua. Why? Because it will say, why would I need a, a statement that Allah follows Rabbi Yeshua? Because Rabbi Yeshua argues on the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon say that you may not go ahead and pl- you can't do anything with the fat on Yom Tov. Meaning Rabbi Yeshua says you could pick up the fat and place it on top of pegs to allow for airflow. The Tanakhama, the Rabbanon say you can't do that. So I understand why Rabbi Yeshua would have had to make a statement, excuse me, why Rabbi Master would have to make a statement that Allah has Rabbi Yeshua. Why? Because they say generally when you have a, a machlokas and on one side you have the collective, on the other side you have the individual. Who does the Allah follow? The Allah follows the collective. So Rabbi Master comes along and says, no, in this case, Allah follows the individual. Ella, I'm sorry. But according to Mandarma, it says the halacha does not follow Rabbi Yoshua. Why do you even have to say that? Why? Because Rabbi Yoshua is the solitary standalone opinion, and the Rabbanon are the majority. So, of course, Lemaisa, Lemaisa, it does not, the halacha does not follow Rabbi Yoshua. Therefore, the Gemara says, "Tema mistaber tema drabi Yoshua di lo sharis lemimana v'lo shachit." Oh, I was it's very interesting because I might have thought the logic of Rabbi Yoshua is very logical. Why? Because I was like, if you do not do, if you do not allow the individual to do something to what to salvage the fat, what's going to happen? He may not shech. I was like, you have to have an appreciation for this. Animals are expensive. Livestock is expensive. So when you shechted an animal, what, what did you do? You, you lined up how pretty much every usable part of that animal was going to be maximized. Because otherwise, if you end up throwing out stuff, that, that's a financial loss for you. Financial, so we'll say, so therefore, what Rabbi Yeshua is saying is like this. So therefore, if you're the, if you're the, if you're the Jew, and now you want to you wanna have some flesh, you want to have some meat on Yom Tiv. So what happens? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna shake your animal, but if you don't know that you could salvage the fats, because there could be significant fats, then what? You may not shecht on Yom Tov. Why? Because you would just say to yourself, you know what, I'd rather have milchiks. I'd rather, I'm, nobody would rather have milchiks. But uh, again, Lema'isef, at the end of the day, that's what you have to do, because again, it's going to go ahead and it's, I'm going to suffer a loss, so then I'll just, I just won't shecht. So I might have thought that Allah Hafaz, even though Rabbi Yeshua is the, is the solitary opinion, I might have thought, that we're still going to follow him. Why? Because we need to be lenient in these kind of situations. Otherwise, people just simply won't shecht animals on Yom Tov. Kamash Malon, no. Kamash Malon, that we, so even though that, that would have been the logic to say to follow Rabbi Yoshua, Kamash Malon, we still don't pass him like Rabbi Yoshua because he is the Yachid and Yachid is Rabbim Halachi Kirabim. Umayishna, 
may other thing that they're asking. So now the Gemara opens this up, and the Gemara says, "You know what? Let's analyze this." Because remember again, what did Beis what did Beis allow? Beis said that when you shut the animal on Yom Tov, what can you do with the hide? With the hide, you can place it down in an area of high pedestrian traffic, and, and, and in doing so, what'll happen? The hide essentially you begin the process of tanning. Now both say, "Why does Beis allow you to do that?" Why? So Rashi says, if you look at the last Rashi, the Shara Beis Hillel, the man of say, the assumption is the logic of Beis Hillel is what? That if we don't allow you to do that, so we'll say, if we don't allow you to put down the high, then what happens to the high by the end of Yom Tiv? Pretty much it's wasted. So what's Beis, what's Beis Hillel's logic for allowing you to put down the high in the area of high pedestrian traffic? Because if we don't allow it, then what? People won't shecht. People won't check because they're both saying the loss of a hide, depending on the size of the animal, could be a significant financial loss. So Basila realizes that if we don't find, but it's also very interesting because what you see over here is Basila reacting that halacha, people think that halacha is rigid and that halacha, the halacha does not react to the realities. It's not true. Halacha is a living, breathing, organic entity which is able to go ahead, I won't even say adapt, but is able to provide plants for all types of situations. It doesn't always give you the answer that you want. It doesn't mean halacha could always give you what you want, but Ta'alacha recognizes the reality of circumstances. So here Beis Hillel says, we have to allow you to put down the hide, because at the end of the day, if we don't, people simply won't shecht. It'd be correct, and then again, and then ultimately it's a loss of Simchas Yantiv. So we'll say, so the, Gemara, the Gemara is questioning. You seem to say that we don't care about Rabbi Yeshua's statement about, about, the, about the fats, which seems to indicate that even with a loss, we're not worried about people not shechting. But yet, Beis Hillel clearly said that you could put down the hide in the area of high pedestrian traffic, because Lema'isa, it seems, we, we think that Beis Hillel's logic is that if we don't allow you to do this, you may go ahead and what? You may go ahead and come to not shecht, which would be Diminution in your simchas yamtiv, to which the Gemara says, no, 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 here's the difference. The act of spreading out the hide on the floor, then that people are going to trample on, even though what? Even though your intention is to begin the process of tanning the hide, your intention is not obviously understandable. Why? Because again, people spread out hides all of the time. Why? Because people spread it out as mats to sit on. Mm. Therefore, Lemaisa, again, your act of spreading out the hide on Yom Tiv does not necessarily, does not register as an act of tanning, but rather, what does it look like? It looks like an act of placing a mat for people to sit down. Because of that, Lemaisa, that's why basically allows you to do it on Yom Tiv. Look at Rashi. Hasam lo Ibut. Because the said the act of placing the hide on the ground does not immediately look like an act of tie, uh, of tanning. Why? Because a person who sees this could easily say, Hide the Rabbanon, Adrisa. I that that the rabbis permitted me to place the hide. Even though people are walking on top of it, so we'll say, again, the reason why the hide case works is because when someone sees that, it doesn't register. They don't automatically assume that's, that, that Reuven is trying to tan his hide. But rather, what do they assume? That Reuven is placing a mat because he has family over. People are there. So we'll say, but here's the difference. In the case of the fats, there's only one reason you're putting that on pegs, which is what? Which is what? To preserve it. 
Oh, if that's the case, then what would we be concerned about? If we allow you to do that, then you may come to do what? You may come to salt it. And Rabbi say salting, see, the act of putting on the pegs is not really a big deal. But we're concerned that because it's obvious that the reason you're putting on the pegs is in order to preserve it, once you're preserving it, you may come to salt it. And salting the fats could be an issue, ultimately, of ebud of tanning on Yom Tov. So I will say, what comes out over here is that Basilo gives you the license to engage in certain activities without which you may not shecht, as long as what? As long as those activities can be cloaked in normative Yom Tov behaviors. But, so therefore, we'll allow you to put out the hide on the floor, even though in essence it's going to end up being, you're going to begin the process of tanning because people will be walking over it. Because when you look at that act, you don't see an act of tanning. You see people placing hides on the floor for others to sit on, which is a normative act. But the placement of the fats on the, on the pegs is done for only one reason, and one reason only, which is to preserve the fats. Once that's being done, there's a chashash that what? One may come to salt it, which could be a real isser. So the Gemara says... <coughs> But if we allow you to go ahead and place the fats on the pegs, people will say, oh, the reason this is permitted is because to preserve it. So who cares if I place it on the pegs or if I salt it? A person could salt multiple pieces of meat at once, even though what Rabbi saying, even though Lamai say you only need one piece of meat. Now Rabbi it's a very important episode. This has to do with the concept of riboy bashiurim, which is, and we'll see this more explicitly later on. The halacha is, you're allowed to do, you're allowed to go ahead and do more. You're allowed to, you're allowed to. Do certain acts for more than what you need for yamtiv if it requires no additional exertion. So what the Gemara is suggesting over here is, for example, I could salt multiple pieces of meat, even though I only need one. Why? Because the act is the same, right? The, 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 the act of salt, that's salting, by the way. Okay, so, right? the, 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 the act of salting is the same. There's no additional tirchanis. Just to understand the practical ramification of this, so I don't have to say, you know what, I have five people in my family, and you know what, this one eats two pieces of chicken, and this one eats one piece of chicken. Also, I could cook six pieces. It's not true. You could cook 25 pieces of chicken. You, why? Because the act of cooking, because as long as there's no additional tircha, you don't have to be specific in the amount of food you are preparing. Obviously, it has to be within reason, as we'll discuss, right? But again, Lamaisa, therefore, you could salt multiple pieces of meat because the act of exertion is the same, even though, again, you only need one piece. Uh, uh, this is very interesting. Rav Adabar Ava, Ma'arim Umalach Garma Garma. So we'll say, apparently, Rav Adabar Ava employed a different strategy, and what he would do is he would, he would take a piece of meat and he would salt it. And then he'd say, you know what, I don't want that piece of meat. Let me look at the next one. He'd say, oh, this is the one I want. Then he would salt that one. And then what he'd say, you know what, no, I don't want that piece of meat. So he, he would inflate this little bit of something. Now, why Rav Adabar Ava just, so again, apparently, Rav Adabar Ava felt that he has to do this. The Messiah will say, we pass, you don't have to do that, because we pass like the first approach, which says that as long as there's no additional exertion involved, the Messiah you could do even for much more than what you need. So it says the Mishnah. Says, we made reference to this case in yesterday's daf as well. Beishamai says, you may not remove, Rabbi say trees in our shutters. Trees in our shutters. You can't remove the shutters on Yamtiv. 
says, not only can you remove the shutters, but what? You can even go ahead and put them back after you finish. Rabbi says, the Gemara, my treason, what are we talking about over here? Amar Ula Trisei Chanuya. So Rabbi said, this is talking about the shutters of their, their, their vendor stalls. Rabbi said, now what does this mean? These stalls, these stalls, you know, I guess the best way to explain it would be, if you can imagine also like like what you have, like in the mall, you know, like in the mall you have like these, uh, these not the stores, kiosks. Oh, ki- I'm sorry? That's right, they're all men by Jews. Right, so you're right, so if you want to buy Dead Sea products, so you know, right, so you go to the mall. Right, I'm sorry? Or what's helicopters? Oh, they sell helicopters. Okay, good. Good. So whatever you want to buy is really irrelevant to what, to what I want to talk about over here today. So whatever it is, the, po- the point is you have these kiosks. So if you can imagine, the way Talmudic kiosks were set up was you had the vendor stall. And I will say what happens is at night when, when you wanted to close it up, you had these shutters. So the shutters also were kind of like the doors. And then what happened? You took off the shutters. We call them shutters. It's probably a better word for it, but we'll use the word shutters. You took it off. And those shutters then became the tables on which, again, the vendors would put their wares. So Beishamai says... Beishamai says, you may not remove the you may not remove the shutters from the structures on, on Yom Tov. And Basil says you can. So the Gemara says the following. Now again, the, the, the issue over here see would seem to be would seem to be an issue ultimately again of binyon. Uh, an issue ultimately again of, of building. Now both say because again, the act of taking the shutters off would seem to be tantamount to an act of demolition. The act of putting the shutters back on would be tantamount to an active building. And I will say, I want to be clear over here, this is all the Rabbanon. Why is it the Rabbanon? Because I will say, interesting enough, that's why Rashi later on will qualify. He will explain these, these structures, these structures are not attached to the ground. Once something is not attached to the ground, we're not dealing with biblical building. Right? Biblical building is only with things attached to the ground. So therefore, again, we're dealing with the Rabbanons. So Beishamai still, still seems to feel that Lamaise, again, this is an act of binyan or an act of, act of demolition, whereas Beishamai, for some reason, permits it. So the Gemara says, let's, let's go on. Amr Ulu. Ulu said, Shlosha Dvarim Hetiru Sofan Mishum Tzachasamos has a fast in any case. So Ulu says, there are three things that Beishamai permitted you to do Permitted you to do a tira and sofan. He permitted you to do them. Mishum tchilasan. Literally means he permitted the end because of the beginning, which is a way of saying we permitted you to do something down the road in order that you would not cease and desist from doing something in the beginning. Now, now what does that mean? It'll become clear once you illustrate the cases. These are the cases. Number one, or lift me darsan. Case one of say is placing the hide in front of, in, or by pedestrian traffic. So also we already covered that case. So now you can see what that Lushan means. <laughs> we allow you to place the hide, even when a place where people are going to walk, even though in essence what will happen, the tanning process will begin. We, that's called sofa, and we allow that end act. Why? <laughs> because in order to encourage you to shech your animal on yom, because if we don't allow you to place the hide down, you won't shech the animal mitchila. Next, <laughs> the case of the shutters of Destroys, which we'll discuss in just a moment, and and the chazaras mikdash and and the case of returning the bandage to a wound in the base of mikdash. Rabosai, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here chazaras retia b'mikdash retia b'shabes paraklal gadol amru hamimareach retia b'shabes chay mishum machik. Rabosai. We know again there are two issues over here. First of all, you're not permitted to engage in medicinal healing on Shabbos. 
Not permitted to engage him with this healing on Shabbos. The reason for that is because Xera of Schika Salman, I'm concerned that one may come to grind up herbs to create medicines on Shabbos. So the Rebbe and further, based on that, you would not be permitted to go ahead and take a bandage and put it on a wound on Shabbos. <coughs> Now, this is for a different reason also, because the bandage has what? The bandage has ointment on it, and the act of taking an ointment or a salve and smearing it on you is an issue of memachik, is an issue of smoothing, which is one of the lamites molachos on Shabbos. So we'll see so we'll see what this case is in just a moment. Even what? Even, even uh, actually, let me show you this case. Let me just look at Rashi Bamikdash. Rashi says, What's this case? This is the man a Kohen who has a wound on his hand. So we'll say this case over here is the following Kohen has a wound on his hand. And, and what? Now the halacha is. When a coin does an avoda, there can be no chatzitza. He can't have anything on his hands or on his feet. So what, what happens? If a coin has a wound on his hand, he has a bandage, he has to take off that bandage prior to doing the avoda. But then what's going to happen? After the avoda, what does he want to do? He wants to place it back. What's the problem? It's Shabbos. He can't place it back. He can't place it back for two reasons. Number one, because again, we don't allow people to engage in medicinal healing on Shabbos because out of a fear that one may come to grind. And number two, placing the bandage back with the ointment would be what? Would be an act of shmearing memachik. But yet what? We realize that if what Abba say, what happens? If we don't go ahead and permit him to place the bandage back, then what may happen? So one of two things. So we'll say, truth is really only one of one things. We're not really Choshi said he's going to do the avoda with the bandage on because Kohanim take their avoda responsibilities very seriously and he's not going to do the avoda in an illegal way. So what will happen? He just won't do it. He just won't do it. And therefore, again, to, 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 uh, to avoid the coin not doing the avoda, we allow him to put the bandage back on after his avoda. So the Gemara Sivarachpa, Am Rabbi Huda, Rachpa Sin Rabbi Huda, Afa Poseach Chaviso Umaschil Biisaso Agav Haregal, Agav Haregal, and I will say, so Rachpa adds another case. Rachpa says, Name Rabbi Huda, even the case of a Chaver, I will say, this is a case of a person who is makbid with ritual purity and impurity, who opens up his barrel on Yom Tov and begins to sell his wares, that he can go ahead and continue to sell it after Yom Tov in a state of ritual purity. In accordance with the of Rabbi Yehuda. Now, what is this talking about over here? This is a very interesting case. This is a very interesting case. The halacha is, the halacha is like this. Under normal circumstances, an Ama Ares is considered to be Tameh. Amar is considered to be Tami, rabbinic tuma, except on the regal. On Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, there's an understanding that Chazal said, remember, and that's, that's rabbinic tuma. On the regal, on the, on the regal, so Chazal said that even an even Amaris is considered to be ritually pure. So we'll say now, because if you don't do that, you're going to have a big problem. What's going to happen? Let's say I'm selling my, uh, I'm selling my, uh, my food. To, to the only regal. And what's Kepin say? So now, every, to, what, what occurs, you ever see people in the fruits and vegetable aisle, you know, at the supermarket? So what happens, right? Mamish, they're shaking, they're touching, they're, 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 you know, they have their hands all over everything. So the truth is, that's the way people are when it comes. So what happens? If you say that the Amaaretz has, has, during the regal, it's going to pose a major problem because what's going to happen? Then all food is going to become tamay. So therefore, what? During the regal, we say 
that even Amaris is in a state of ritual purity, and therefore if he touches food, it's not going to be a problem. But what happens to, let's say, somebody started selling food during the regal, and now it's after the regal? What's the status of that? So now we know that that food was touched by an Amaris over the course of the regal. What happens again after Yom Tov? What's the status of that food after Yom Tov? So if we look at Rashi, Rashi says, take a look at the last short line in Rashi. So the Chachamimom, the Chachamim say, Lo yigmar velo yimkarenu od, mishum denitmes beregel b'maga amaretz. Unichi, unihi dechol yimosa regel ishtaroi shelo levaisham, mihu la'acha regel chalamafreya va'ashmu'ina rachba, so listen to this. So the Chachamim say that after Yom Tov, whatever leftover food you have, whatever vendor, whatever, whatever leftover food vendor you have after Yom Tov is what? It's tummy. It's tummy. Why? Because we know that it was touched by an Amaretz. And I, even though on Yom Tov, again, we suspend the laws of Tumah as they apply to an Amaretz, after Yom Tov, Lumafreya, we know it was touched and therefore after Yom Tov, the leftovers are Tameh. Rabbi Huda says, no, it's not Tameh. Why? Because if you go ahead and you put a Tumah status on the leftover, then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Vendors will be very hesitant to put out food. The, the, essentially, food will be in short supply. Why? Because no one wants to suffer a loss. So instead, what vendors will do is they'll only put out very little at a time in order to ensure that there's no leftovers past Yom Tov. So therefore, again, Rachba, as in this last case, of the food of the food of the vendors. Let's go weiter. So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. So now the Gemara goes through each of these cases. Orlif Nadar, so in case number one was that Basilo permitted us to put the hide even in front of pedestrian traffic. Tanina, okay, we already learned this case. Mao de Tema, Tamayim de Basil, Mishun de Chazilamizgalaihu, Vafidu Meir of Yom Tovnami. I might have thought that Basil is like, the reason why Basil allows you to put down the hide is why Rabosai. Because again, the hide is usable to sit on. So maybe Basil's logic is since the hide is usable to sit on. Therefore, the Mai said that's why you can go ahead and place it down on Yom Tov. And that would apply water Rabosai to even a hide, to even a hide that from an animal that was shechted on the air of Yom Tov. That Basil just now allows you to place the hide down. Tumar says, Kamash Molon Hitiru Sofan Mishum Trilasan. Therefore the game the, therefore the game the Gemara over here teaches us that no, the reason Basil allows you to place down the hide is why Rabosai, because if we don't allow you to place the hide down and allow it to be walked on by people, what's gonna happen? People will simply not check. And therefore, the Yom Tovin, the Erev Yom Tov Lo. This this allowance only applies to what Rabosai, an animal that is shechted on Yom Tov, but not to an animal that is shechted on Erev Yom Tov. Next case, the case of the shutters of the, of the vendor's stall, we also learned in the Mishnah. I, I might have thought that the logic of here of Basil, because Basil said that's what? That there is, no, there is no issue of building. When it comes to utensils, there's no there's no malacha of bone when it comes to utensils. There's no malacha of demolition when it comes to utensils. And even for what? Even for utensils inside the home. Inside the home. Therefore, again, kamash malon, kamash malon, that's not, that's not Basil's logic. Hitiru sofan mishum tchilasan. That Rabbi why does Basil allow you to go ahead and remove 
the, sto- the, the shutters and even put back the shutters because the mice again, because I'll say if we don't allow you to do this, so what's going to happen? There's not going to be enough supplies for the people on Yom Tov, and therefore we permit this practice. Next, we already learned. So, again, case number three was that the coin after the avodah is permitted to go ahead and put the bandage back on his hand. We learned that already. We already learned that the coin after his avodah is permitted to go ahead and put the put the dressing, put the put the bandage back on his wound after he does the avodah. That could, now that is true. I wear in the mikdash, but not in the medina. Rabbi said, "What's medina? Medina is anywhere outside of the base of mikdash." So the Marsim told him, "What what might you what might you have thought? Time am I?" Because I might have thought the reason why that is permitted is why? Because of Shvusin, which means Dine Dirabanon, do not apply in the base of Mikdash. I remember again the prohibition on medicinal healing is a Dirabanon. So I might have thought that what? That only that that Shvusin do not apply in the base of Mikdash. That's why it's that's why it's permitted. But I both say again, who does this dispensation apply to? And I might have thought that because again the rabbanans don't apply in the basic English, therefore to both say, this license to take a bandage on and off applies even to who? Even to any coin. Right, even not necessarily to just who is doing the avoda. Therefore, kamash malon he tirusofan mishum tchilasan. Therefore, the Gemara explicitly tells me that no, this dispensation is why we only allow you to put it back on, lest what, lest you not come to do the avoda to begin with, and therefore the bar avoda in the lav bar avoda lo. The dispensation only applies to a coin who is going to do the avoda, but not to stama coin who is not going to be doing the avoda. Poseach es chaviso nami tanino. I so I say the case of the opening of the barrel. To say that the pasuk Rabbi Yehuda that even afterwards the the leftovers are going to be still tahor. We also learned it. Haposeach es chaviso maschil bisaso kavaregel that a merchant who begins to sell his food during Yom Tov. Rabbi Huda Omer Yigmar. Rabbi Huda says that he could sell off the leftovers even after Yom Tov and assume that the leftovers are tahor. And the Chum say, you may not finish it. So when the Chum say, you may not finish it, you could finish it. But just what? It's Tomei. It's Tomei. Mao de Tema, what would you have thought? Tumas Ama Aretz, Beregel Kitara Shavi Rabbanon. You might have thought the following that the Tuma of an Ama Aretz on Yom Tov. So the rabbis say, you know what? It's, it, we suspend it. It's just like he's tar. And even though what? They're both say, let's say again, I have food that I did not begin on Yom Tov, but I sold Yom Tov. I mean, let's say I'm a vendor. I started selling food before Yom Tov. Before Yom Tov already. So I might have thought that again, Lemaisa, after Yom Tov, that should be permitted as well. Because again, at the end of the day, there's no Tumah for an Amah Aretz on Yom Tov itself. Kamash Molon Hitiru Sofan Mishum Trilasan. Therefore, you see from me that we only permitted the end because of the beginning, meaning Hischil in, Lo Hischil in. Rabbi Huda's leniency is only regarding what? Food items that were started, that, that the vendor started to sell on Yom Tov itself. So if he started to sell something on Yom Tov, then what? Then Rabbi Yehuda says you could sell it after Yom Tov, still in a state of ritual purity, because we're concerned that if we don't extend that Yom Tov status to post-Yom Tov, then what? Vendors will be reticent to take out additional food. But, but, Lemaisa, his, I'm sorry, his skill in, lo his skill, but I'm both if I'm a vendor, and I started selling food, let's say, a week before Yom Tov. 
and I sold it through Yomtev, and there's leftovers now post Yomtev, Rabbi Huda's dispensation does not apply. Why? Because Rabbi Huda's dispensation only applies when? For food that was begun on Yom Tov itself. But food begun before Yom Tov might, would, even according to Rabbi Huda, would still be Tame after Yom Tov. So the Gemara says, let's just read one more line. Ve'ula ma'itayma lo amar. Why does Ula not include this fourth case of the food that was started on Yom Tov? Beplukta lo kamairi, because Ula does not want to get involved in cases of machlokas. And since this case, this case of the vendor is a machlokas in Rabbi Huda and the Rabbanon, Ula didn't want to get into it. So he wants to Hanachnami plukta ninu. but the first three cases are also machlokas in between. I'm sorry, the other cases are also machlokas in between Mishnah and Beisilal. To which Ula will answer, Beishamai b'makom Beisilal eno Mishnah. Those are fighting words, I will say, because the Gemara says, because when Beisham Machlokas, when Beisham disagrees with Beisilal, that's not even a Machlokas. Oh. Right, right, that's, that's tough stuff. Right, so when Beisham, so we, we, it's so clearly passing like Beisilal that we don't even consider that to be like a Machlokas. As I will say, no, we'll stop over here. The Mirza should pick up here tomorrow. Again, tomorrow, no, tomorrow will be okay. All my days is long, but I'm an hour a little bit shorter. We'll start again at 5.45.